Hello, friends. Before we get started here, I wanted to remind everyone that this episode, as all of our episodes from here on out until further notice, are brought to you by OutbreakChallenge.com. Go to OutbreakChallenge.com and enter the code ZOMBIERUN, and you'll get 15% off your um, chosen zombie escape package. So do that shit. Lose some weight. Be happy about yourself. Do you fear the zombie uprising? Are you prepared to survive what's coming? If you listen very carefully, you might just make it out alive. This is Zompocalypse Now. I'm eating tonight a chocolate Pop-Tart. Do you know how long it's been since I have had Pop-Tarts? Wow. Yeah, it's been a while for me too, man. And what I also did, because I'm a little high, is that I took some Hershey's Kisses that were in my stocking and I chopped them into bits. And then I put them on the very hot chocolate Pop-Tart. And so now they've melted into little Hershey's Kiss globules on top. It's quite delightful. Remember, I'm so, uh, so desperate to not talk about this episode that I could just give you a little recipe for being die next time. And I am going to ruin your night because we're talking about this episode anyway. Oh, man. So, yes, folks, we uh-huh. begin before the show started, before this recording started. Um, we've been talking about uh, religious films. We've been talking about uh, uh, Dustin's culinary efforts. Uh, but we are now going to turn to the topic at hand, which is the latest in our look at the Fear the Walking Dead Season 7 episodes. We are looking at Episode 7, the penultimate episode in this part of the season. It is called The Portrait, and I am Timothy Harvey, and this is Zompocalypse Now. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. I'm Curtis. And I continue to be Dustin. Do you, though? As much as possible. Okay, fair enough. Nobody will be good at it as you. That's true. That's what Oprah says. Don't try and be Oprah. Just try and be the best version of you. You're the only one who gets to do it. So, I this all, episode is all about the inside of Strand's desperate little brain. Oh, my goodness. I had fun tonight. I don't know. That's I'm going to preface my my comments tonight by... I had fun with the exception of a couple of scenes. I think that after many years of the walking dead universe, giving us villains who we mostly don't really get to watch unravel in any kind of satisfying way with the exception of a big reveal at the end of this episode, I was really enjoying strand unraveling. Yeah, oh, it was definitely, you know, there's so huge much, talk. It was so much fun. There is huge talk that Coleman Domingo is going to get um, nominated for Best Supporting Actor for Rosa, Raza. 
a thing. That's the movie they keep talking about. Uh-huh. Um, and there is a reason. He oh, yeah. is very gifted, and he was so good in the new Candyman. And he's so he's been playing Strand perfectly for the last seven years of this show. Perfectly. He has n- no notes on Strand ever. And I've only I, ever had issues with Strand's character, not with the performance, except for the kind of, you know, mm-hmm. the delivery is sometimes awkward for me. Well, the thing is um, that there used to be talk. I remember uh, like it back in like for the first couple of seasons of the show, the way that these characters were written, the way that they interacted with the world around them. It was like, are we watching like the origin story of villains because you know strand was basically just the devil and madison give gave no fucks about whether you lived or died if you were not one of her immediate children she gave zero fucks if you lived or died and you know post-apocalyptic mama bear there was nick who like every didn't never met a cult he didn't like you know, and a tendency to wander off and hang out with corpses. So that was yeah. always nice. So it was <laughs> like, are we watching? Are these people villains? Are we watching? Like, are we going to eventually meet somebody like Rick and his crew coming in and being heroic and realize we're watching villains? And I think the show's trying to kind of have it both. That'd be ways. a fun thing that won't happen. That would be a wonderful surprise to say, like, okay, these people you've been rooting for, they're going to be the ones who are the villains against Rick and company. That would be mm-hmm. goddamn wonderful. Well, it's like we talked. It. It's like we talked about with you know um, the if we had told the story from Negan's point of view from the beginning, right? This is this is what that could look like. Is you have these characters who will do anything to survive. And mm-hmm. don't have. I think as long as as long as they don't lose sight of that, I think the show probably will be all right. And you know, I per- think they've been. I think they've been doing a good job with that with Strand this season, kind of showing like, yeah, he's finally entering supervillain status. Yeah, he get he's getting everything he wanted, and it's tearing him to pieces. Mm-hmm. I love it. Anyway, this episode's called what? It's called The Portrait. Yes. And that's how we open. Paint a picture of me. But not a picture of what you see. Paint a picture of how I see myself. As someone who went to college for an art degree and who spent a significant chunk of my college years painting, um, this is a terrible thing to say to a painter. And she should have turned around and said, fuck you, I'm out. Because well, again, because she'll be kicked out of the shower. <laughs> they must have had a wonderful conversation on set about shitty direction they've gotten as actors, just, you know, mm-hmm. between scenes and stuff. <laughs> if they didn't, they were missing out on a good time. Sometimes you get on a set, you know, and everybody's just super professional and they don't chat, chit chat, you know, I don't like that. Oh, I'm sure that they did. I'm I'm sure that they they all looked at the that line and were like, yes, we know exactly. Like we've all worked with this director, you know. Yeah. 
Because, yeah, as an, yeah. an artist, you, look, the you can do everything in your power when doing portraits. Because I've done portraits for people. Um, I don't, I, it's been a long, long time. But you can do everything in your power to create an image, but it's going to be the image that you create as an artist, no matter what they want. If, you know, you, you're going to do it the way that you create the art. It's going to, that's just how it works. That's how art works. You can do yeah, as much as you think. If you if you're not a very interesting person, you're not going to be a very interesting artist. And I think, you know, well, that I, holds true in most arts. Right. I think, you know, she's she is basically given an impossible task by the guy who essentially controls the world she lives in and has been known to chuck people who disappoint him off roofs. So I'm sure she is just terrified the entire time she's doing this because he basically gives her an impossible task right and the whole time that she's painting this portrait strands just turning people away at the door they're calling and saying hey we want to we want to come in and be part of what you're doing and he like asks them some some questions and then just like nope we don't need anybody with your skill set and he turns people away so much that it makes him harvey really nervous Okay, again, reminder, folks, it is not Tim Harvey. It's his little nebbish weasel um, who, uh, quite frankly, I would never wear the stupid pants he wears in this episode. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, but I will say that those those stupid pants were very, very nice pants. Oh, they're very he nice pants. It's just not, very, it's not what like, I would wear. Uh, his, I think his name is actually like Henry or something, right? Um, it is something like that. Hang on, let me find it because I was looking for his um actual. Never even bothered with that guy. Um, uh, it's Howard, and it's Howard. uh o- Omid Omid Abtai Ab- is the actor, and you've seen and him in a lot of different places. He, uh, he, he's he's a yeah. very hardworking character actor. He he was on uh he was on um. That show that on narrow it down. Me. <laughs> he's been on uh, American Gods. He's been on the Mandalorian. He's been on NCIS. Uh, he was in the Hunger Game movies. Um, he's he's one of those actors who you oh. you see a lot, mm. and um, he's a, uh, an Iranian um, uh, by birth, uh, and has been doing a lot of, of of work here in the U.S. and does some really fine stuff. Um, and he bears a vague resemblance to me. Uh, if you have ever seen a photo Not of me even. and he the doesn't show. Look like you at all. Uh, no, he... I, the only reason I make the joke is that in the very first episode that he appeared, he was dressed literally in the outfit Tim was wearing that night. Like it was, <laughs> it was like a, a like an olive green button up shirt and a vest and a goatee and swooshy hair and glasses. And it was like, it's Tim Harvey. Tim Harvey. They <laughs> just put Tim Harvey on. In show. the first episode, he had very cool clothes. Uh, I will not deny it. Uh, but uh, later, every every episode, this guy has shown up. Every episode, Howard has shown up. Howard is just the worst person. Yeah, I mean, Strand, he's not great. Strand <laughs> is a villain. I mean, he's standing there. And, and when I say a villain, I mean, there's like something almost grand about strands just being a petty little bitch because he's <laughs> so petty but howard is just 
I mean, there's there's a level of cruelty that Howard has shown more and more every time he's shown up that it's like, what? <laughs> this guy is, <laughs> Strand, Strand is a villain, but Howard is possibly a psychopath. <laughs> I mean, he's awful. If, 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 if Howard were in charge, he would be having Strand flay people on the roof. They wouldn't toss them off the roof. They'd flay them. See, I don't get that. I don't get that uh, feeling, especially from this particular episode, because he's questioning Strand like, we're not taking anybody in. Like, you know, what do you do? You know, I think his questions this episode and the way he acts in this episode are is he he's his second in command and he has to do some you know some villain maneuvering but you know he's not trying to kill a bunch of people no no he's just he's just when he's in a position to be over someone else when it comes to power he's cruel he's every every dialogue interaction he's had with our characters outside of you know when strand is standing right next to him He's just mean. He's just, he's not a good person. And he was a history teacher, which means his students probably hated him. Yeah. They never saw him in those pants. I literally, <laughs> like, <laughs> when he walked in on that, those pants, I was like, who is this actor again? <laughs> you know, I had to look him up. Anyway, there you go, folks. Um, Dustin likes his pants yes i didn't even notice his pants to be honest with you don't care but uh um um anyway oh, that, he comes in and he inter- that, interrupts strand a lot with the phone calls yeah a lot and for weeks. yeah and and so finally uh they get one uh, the, the lady finishes the picture her name they give her a name and at first we we're all like uh-oh they gave this poor lady a name. She's a new character. She's got a name. She's going to die. Yeah. <laughs> and first she sees, he shows her the painting and he hates it. He's like, you know, this is, you know, and he takes it up on the roof and he throws it over the side into where all the zombies are. And then Morgan shows up and Morgan is like, my little MacGuffin. She's hurt and sick or something. She's got some baby sick. And I need this baby prop needs maintenance. (laughs) This 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 tiny this tiny device is needs something. I know June's in there, so please, she's the only medical professional within a thousand miles. So so You know, I handled sorry. I handled the most famous baby prop in the world. On a on a movie set one time, oh, it yeah? was the it was the it was the baby prop from The Hangover. Mm-hmm. It was used in that movie, and so I, I got to hand it to uh, Karen Gillian for you know like a week, and then I take it away and go thank you, thank you, here you go, thank you, and that was it. That's all. That's all I said to anybody. Care, just a nice little anecdote. Went, That's all. Just like, how are you today, or or anything? Nothing. Just like, like I got some- nothing. She's a nice lady, but she's on set and focused, so we didn't chit chat. Mm. 
she'd chit chat with her scene partner, but you know, I was prop baby guy. Prop baby guy. She didn't know I was a big deal. I mean, I'm just, you know, working crew. I'm but I think I personally feel like if I am standing there with prop baby guy and and he's handing me the baby and I'm taking the baby from him, I would at least make a little small talk about it. Like, hey, this really weird that you stand here and hold me, hand me a baby four times an hour for the last six hours <laughs> like isn't that weird is it weird that we've been just standing here next to each other and you hand me a baby and i take it and then i hand it back to you that's not weird and you know oh things- i i would like i would like hand her the baby and disappear into the shrubbery you know i'd be i'd be gone and like smoke and, and you know this <laughs> and is then, why i, don't and I would I appear would- the greatest trick curtis ever pulled on us <laughs> I don't see, I really that makes me think that I would not be a good like actual onset prop person because I would be like every time I presented it I'd be like your seed milady you know like or something weird like that I would okay. never I, I not give it to her without a joke all right very be- brief digression before we get back on topic because you know we're digressing all over the place here um, so all three of us folks all three of us worked on a film years ago. Years and years ago now, which is just really sad how long ago it was. You're like 12 uh, years ago? Something terrifying years like ago? that, yeah. Back when we um, had dreams. Back, back, back when we still <laughs> had hope. Uh, at the pre, pre The Walking Dead. Uh, that's how long ago it is, folks. Um, we worked on a, on a film yep. uh, called Fetch. I am going to maintain that is the title because it's actual title, American Maniacs, that is out in the world is a dumb title. But... Uh, Dustin and I, Dustin was the costume person and I was the uh, production designer for it. And we, because it was a small budget film and we had a very small crew, Dustin and I did a lot of things that people with our titles would not normally have done. Dustin was the costume department. (laughs) I was the production design department. Uh, we had people who did makeup and things like that, uh, uh, and certainly, and, and we had folks who, who focused on that. But in terms of like set dressing and continuity, that was almost all me. Costumes and costume continuity that was almost all Dustin. And consequently, we worked with, we worked with our actors in a much more. I had the script supervisor telling me to fucking uh, put my hat on different every <laughs> scene. I was like, I can feel how my hat's supposed to be. <laughs> we had we had uh, uh, we worked with our actors in a way that is much more hands on than people in in the, with those titles would in a, in a big picture, picture thing, and so Dustin and I got to work with an actress, Ashlyn Yenny, uh, who's you've seen her and stuff. She's she's been she's had a decent career. She, her first big role was in Human Centipede. She regrets that, but oh well. But she did Human Centipede too. Yeah, well, they paid her. I mean, I'd, I'd do it, too, with the money. And she made fun of it. was like she made fun of the the way she got that job. It was like, I guess I'm just, you know, here. And, right. You know. But she was, yeah. she, was, she was really young at the time. And she was very afraid of dogs. And we had dogs on the set. And there's a scene where the dogs are. And, and by the way, these are professional dogs. In the sense that they, their their handler could make them, you know, go from being completely big, fuzzy, lovable 
uh, very friendly dogs into slathering hell beasts at a single command and then back again. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't matter if you're afraid of something just because some, someone else seems to control that thing perfectly doesn't mean you're less afraid of them. So these dogs are behind her barking and snarling and doing all the dog things. So there's this thing that actually scares her behind her. And we're in this freezing barn with, and she's wearing a nightie. I mean, it's just all the horrible things. And so Dustin and I were constantly off camera waiting for cut to be called. And we would rush in and basically talk her down Throw try a, and keep her from throw, freezing to death. Throw, yeah, throw a, a blanket or a robe over her and be like, "Are you okay? You need some water? It's it's the they they not get the dog anywhere near you. You're fine. It's just fine. He's not going to bite you. You're going to be okay." You know? and, <laughs> and that's you know so so yeah, I completely. We're sorry under- you're chained to this wall. Yeah, exactly. I yeah, because I had to chain her to the ceiling by dangling chains, and I'm just like constantly. Anyway, it was, like I said, di- big digression. But the fact is, is that, yes, Dustin would not have been able to resist going, I have brought you your baby. <laughs> <laughs> Every time. Because, you know. So Anyway, digression over. Moving you on. You know, uh, digression to the digression. I still have not seen the Dustin Film School. No one has ever shown it to me. I don't I know. know it exists, exists. something. I, I know it was somewhere. Like, somebody made it. Oh I think- God! Is it? It's not on the DVD, is it? No. no, there's nothing on it. Yeah, I didn't think so. Oh well, maybe we can hunt that down someday. Anyway, yeah, I have a copy. So, of so some those special even, features. I can't even remember now how Morgan and the MacGuffin get into the building, but they do. And so he comes in and basically says, uh, "I want to, you know." Please let, let us in. And, and Strand says, sick baby. Strand says no, go away. And mm-hmm. then he goes down and he has, he, ha, he, he has a crisis of conscience and crisis of conscience. And it's like, go get Morgan. And they're like, what are you talking about? And he's like, go get him. Just do what I tell you. Jump when I Does it have to make sense? I'm yours. Is it good? Is it good? Is my impression good when I do it? Can't tell. It's not too shabby. Getting no feedback. It's hard. It's hard to do a voice like his really well. So it's very anyway, distinctive. Um, Morgan gets in there and 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 uh, and they're you know they take June the baby and the baby is fine and and then uh uh. Strand is like, I have an evil task for you, Morgan. And Morgan's like, what evil task would that be? And he's like, I won't tell you until you tell me I'll take it. And, and Morgan's like, Which that's, bullshit. that's not how this works. And about that time, somebody fires a walker at the window with a catapult. And I'd like, I would just like for Curtis to for a moment, uh, express how he felt about this trebuchet when he saw it at first. Oh, it was delightful. <laughs> finally, finally a proper siege weapon in, in this show. That, I mean, we were relying way too much on bullets. 
flinging zombies though that's straight out of monty python fun right there oh but this is actually like an ancient uh siege tactic oh yeah so in the in in lord of the rings when they when they returned their prisoners heads and they were just smacking into the royal guard at gondor yeah and this was a real thing that happened there they do sieges of cities and uh especially during the period of one of the one of the origins that has been speculated for the Black Plague uh, that devastated medieval Europe uh, was actually the result of contaminated bodies that were um, basically flung over the walls of a city under siege. There's no way to prove it, but some people have sat there and said, hey, this happened right before the outbreak and there was a whole lot of dead people being thrown around. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, it's, did they it's have fleas on them? Well, it's just, they they were probably, yeah, probably. I mean, because, you know, this is stuff that... You can't get it. It's really difficult to get a disease from a dead body that's well, not directly related to the corpse, you know? Like, well, the, but, you can't catch a cold from a dead body. No, but if you are, if the whole flea thing and the rat thing, because there's debate as to whether or not the fleas and rats, or the, I'm sorry, the, the fleas on the rats really were the origin of the Black Death. There's a whole debate on my this. Whole, thing. It's surprising how, point how is, much detail my, there is. My whole point is, however, we've ended up at this point, I'm so happy that they've got siege weapons. And right. and that's not all. That's not all they got. They got other stuff, Dustin. What else they got? They have that contaminated warhead and also zombies with pieces of contaminated warhead inside them. Also just regular explosions. They're just going to explode them all. Everybody's getting exploded. With walkers. Flinging and zombies that blow up. I love it. Now, it doesn't exactly... They, they gloss over completely how any of these people are still alive being exposed to a cracked open irradiated warhead and how any of them survived to stitch pieces of this irradiate. This is like ground zero for, for radiation from this thing, but no, they're all fine. That's all right. Sure. Okay. Well, they said that a bunch of them had died. This show still does not know how radiation works. I know it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, actually, all over the place. Last week, I did some research because I had been thinking about this. Um, you know, because nuclear weapons, they react differently than uh, than like a nuclear power plant uh, sure. would, would react. So uh, that's why, like Hiroshima, people live there. Like that whole city has been rebuilt. There are people that live there because the radiation dispersed from the blast of the weapon in a way that made that area livable again. Whereas the difference would be in, say, like Chernobyl, that was not designed to explode. And so the radiation would not have dissipated in the same way. uh, And that's why that area is still contaminated. I say this because uh, it takes about 
six to eight weeks for an area that has been uh, exposed to radiation from a weapon to become more safe to live in or be in than, for example, a place that was irradiated by uh, a malfunctioning uh, power plant. So all that to say that, you know, they should all be fine by now. Like this area, whole area that they've been in, like they've, they're all fine. They no need for gas masks anymore, uh, but they won't even. Except we're talking about the earliest atomic weapons with moderately low explode, uh, payloads compared to now. And it wasn't just the one. There were multiple warheads going off. These people should all be dead. They're all dead. They're all dead. They've been dead for weeks. But you know they're not. Well, you know. Okay. A lot of people got sick, you know, in the show. Some sick people. The The show doesn't know about distance or time. Why would we expect them to know how nuclear weapons work? Um, yeah, it's, it's fine. It's fine. They can, they can fuck with us with that again next week, but right now we're dealing with a crisis of, of, uh, what is strand going to do about all of these things getting flung at the, at the wind is. Well, uh, Morgan suggests that they use grace who of course was out you know, as his insurance policy, Grace and somebody else is out with the big AT, the big monster uh, ATV, yeah, uh, thingy. And they're gonna, they can take care of these doofuses who are trying to break in. Uh, but Morgan's just gotta have a way to contact them. And of course, Strand's like, no, I don't need your help. I don't love you anymore. Uh, and you know, it takes a really long time for, uh, anyone to convince him that maybe it would be nice if he, you know, allowed somebody to help. And it also takes him being poisoned. Yeah. Cause suddenly boys. Yeah. Cause suddenly he's like, I don't feel so well. And he starts sweating and swaying, and they're like, what's wrong with you? He's like, I don't feel so good. I've been poisoned. Someone's trying to kill me. Some One of you. One of you did this to me. And he manages <laughs> to not do something really obvious that will come back to haunt him later. Because once he finds out what's happened to him, because June comes up, and he throws up into this bowl he apparently swallowed an entire it's tube like he of ate paint. a bunch of skittles two minutes ago yeah that's a lot of blue what did you what okay props guy they they said hey uh we need some uh we need some barf but we need it to be blue and then the props guy's like hang on a second he goes and melts a, a third of a bomb pop and he puts it in the thing and he's like there you go <laughs> i'm I'm, when the big reveal comes later in the episode i'm like i was really irritated by that but we'll get to that that's a whole lot of blue but so so morgan uh so morgan says just let me go and do it Uh, 
you know, and I'll save the day. And, and Strand's like, I'm the only one that gets to save the day. Yeah. Somebody give me the MacGuffin <laughs> and we're going to go save the day. And they're like, you can't even stand up. And Morgan's like, you can't take my baby to the armory. And, and uh, Strand's like, I take this baby wherever I want to take this baby. He's like, all my deals today will involve a baby. (laughs) (laughs) And off they go to the elevator shaft. Are there are there not stairs? Now, dude, in this building, no, he got put up by an exploding zombie. There's one set of stairs, one set of stairs in this giant building. They were using really? the other staircase to grow weed. <laughs> Something. <laughs> They're making choices. And there's only one elevator in this building? One? It's not that impressive of a building. It was probably like a low comp a low grade insurance company. Like a it's got yeah, like I feel three like, different um, regions. <laughs> I feel like that that they said that it was it was some sort of like storage area for art like that's why you know it was it was storage for like uh, museum pieces but that's not a service elevator that's not one of these you you guys have all we've all seen those big service elevators that are like giant for moving that kind of stuff around that's yeah, not big enough to is. put a car on you know mm. yeah it's just it's like okay well fine it's the only way down there and it's apparently two floors and i have i, I feel like this is something that that is going to hurt this. This probably has hurt people. Um, elevator cables are two things. The first thing they are is covered in grease. Mm. The second thing they are is razor sharp. Mm. So if you, as a person, were to open an elevator and see the elevator shaft, and see the cable, and you were to say, I can slide down this cable to the elevator car, and you were to reach out with your little human hands and touch it, number first thing, number the first that would happen is that your hand would immediately slip because covered in grease. The second thing that would happen is all your fingers would go away because razor sharp. Which is why, while it's very easy to get into an elevator shaft in a movie or TV show, it's really, really hard in the real world to do that because they're dangerous places. But movies and TV don't, don't seem to know that. And so Morgan just like hops over and grabs onto it with his bare, stupid human hands and just like muscle, muscle Iron Man's it down to the floor. No walkers get him. And when he gets down there, he's like, send me the MacGuffin. And Strand's like, I'll never... Oh, the whole time Morgan's going down, Strand's talking to the baby like, you don't know what it's like. You don't know how lucky you are to have him there to love you and be with you. My father didn't ever look at me. It's great. Coleman Domingo is leaning into this scene. Banana. And it is so much fun to watch him work. He is just, I mean, because he's hes all sweaty and twitchy and his character is poisoned and and <laughs> it's just like, he's just, I mean, he really is a very fine actor. 
and he's making a really ridiculous sequence work. I don't know. That was some shit dialogue, man. That it was, was not great. No, ain't nobody saying it was great dialogue. We're just saying no. it was enjoyable. <laughs> I know, but he had to. He was fighting with it the whole time, and you could tell. Alicia. Yeah. Ah, I don't know what that was about. Oh so, yeah. Well, apparently, well, sound would... travels. Sound travels differently in the Walking Dead universe too, because he has all kinds of things that he says to Morgan that Morgan could not hear that far away from him, because that's just not how sound works. So, um, so Strand sends the baby down, and it looks like for a second that Morgan's just going to take the baby and escape the building. But then Strand says that the mission he wanted to send him on was to find Alicia because he wants to find her, and but she doesn't think that he would like she would like it if like he was the one to find her. He, because you know he's given into his dark side, and and you know that's a big main theme between Alicia and Strand is that Alicia knows who he really is. Like he can act all you know, like you know, like he doesn't care about people or that he doesn't you know need anyone or anything like that. But she's known him for for years. And she knows the real him, the him he tries to hide from people. The person that he's been the butting up against Morgan with, this is what I like. Okay, this is what I like about the dynamic between these two characters. Morgan has never trusted Strand. Even when Strand was trying to do his best. And all Strand wants really is approval from Morgan. Really, that's all he really wants. You could tell it from this episode. He wants to he wants to be somebody that that Morgan can trust. But that's well, he wants to be respected by Morgan at very least, mm-hmm. you know. And yeah. and you're right. I didn't really do the math on that, but you're right about that. That's kind of the theme of the episode, really. Yeah. Is wants that, daddy's approval, you know? Well, he wants he he's realizing, I think, that that creating this utopia or the society up in this thing is not even if he's the dictator of all dictators, it's not going to mean anything without the people that mean something to him. And the only people left that mean anything to him is this, you know, ridiculous eight group of like eight assholes that he's been with for the last, you know, however many years. <laughs> and, you know, like I said, Alicia knows who he really is, like knows who he is, maybe even better than he knows who he is. And he has created this thing that he's not necessarily sure she would be proud of. And so that's why he doesn't want her to him to be the one to find her. He wants someone who can basically explain what strand is doing to her in a way that makes her accept it. Cause strand can't do it. Right. 
It's very interesting. I liked it very much. Uh, that particular part of the episode that he's afraid of who he is is going to be a detriment, or who he's trying to be is going to be a detriment to um, to finding this person he loves. So anyway, Morgan uh, calls Grace on the radio, and there's a great battle that happens off screen we just hear the uh the screaming and and gunfire and you know what it reminded me of uh the south park episode where kenny is like the the savior of heaven like he can play the super video game and <laughs> And, and fight the demons, and so he goes up to heaven to do it, and the angel's describing the battle. He's like, oh, this would be so amazing. If somebody were watching this, their mind would be blown. <laughs> and, but you're just seeing the angel like describe it. That's how I, I got deep vibes of that this episode, because it was very much like, you know, oh, screams and gunfire, explosions, and then we we wake up with with Strand, and he's like, "Oh, I'm fine." <laughs> Is it over? Did I miss the whole battle? <laughs> and strangely, Morgan has not taken the baby and left the building at this point. Um, he's standing there, right there, waiting for Strand to wake up. Which, given what we're about to find out, doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Well, they think they've beat him. They think that their stupid thing is working. And it's, you know, it's stupid. This, this, is, they, they, they do, this is the thing that irritates me, is that this show will sometimes, like, delve into the stupidest parts of Morgan's character. This deviousness, this need to, like you know, have a secret plan or whatever. Mm. That's like, you don't need, you You could have just gone in, you by the time, you could have, all of these things, all of these things, none of that was necessary. You had it, like, you know. But you had, you had to give a reason for, you had to justify teasing the audience yeah. so that you can give this, look into Strand, have some sympathy for him, understanding of him, whatever, and then hit a reset button and take him back to supervillain. Right. By revealing that Morgan poisoned him, which... How did he do it? Nobody knows. Oh, no, they show it. They They show him tip a vial into his scotch. Okay. Now a number of things we need to talk about real quick. First of all, where did where 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 did Morgan get this particular kind of blue paint? Is it that, that's what because June says that she sent people out to get cerulean blue or something? It's a it's some sort of chemical. It's some right. sort of thing. Um, but on. so so. Somehow Morgan has this, and second, somehow nobody found it when they brought him in because I guess nobody searched him, um, which, you know, real bad security failure. And then, and then, and then 
He pours it into a glass of clear liquid. I don't know if you folks drink scotch. I drink scotch. Um, you notice if something has been poured into a amber liquid, if that amber liquid has had something blue poured into it, you notice that stuff, guys. You do. The glasses are transparent. The liquid is transparent. So anyway, Morgan I mean, poisoned him. It was stupid, and we hated it. It's dumb. Uh, it's really dumb. And so, uh, not to mention, race- not to mention, um, it's a really dumb plan as, as far as Morgan on Morgan's end. I mean, even leaving aside the technical stuff, as a plan that Morgan would do, it's a really bad plan because it really, like you said. Morgan's character going devious and plotting does not work. That's not who the character works as. Every time they try and do it, it doesn't play. It's just a... And then to stick around. To stick around after you've poisoned somebody. Right. And then the thing... Then the whole thing, like, it turns out also... Also, Morgan was working with the people, sort of... With the Walker bombs, like because Strand was like, "You even have with with them," and he's like, "I didn't know they were going to do that." And it's like, so you were with the, the those guys? Too? I don't, I don't think, I don't think he was with them. I think it's just it, he took advantage of the fact that they were out there, and 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 I don't think he was actively because because later in the episode, it you know it. He even brings that up when he runs into to, to Dwight. He's like, you're working with these guys? So I don't think, no, I don't, I don't think that's, Strand possibly thinks that, but I don't think Morgan actually Okay, does. it was very confusing for me. In very, that moment. very small aside, you guys. Cerulean Blue contains, uh, cro- uh, uh, sorry, cobalt salts, which are toxic when ingested or inhaled. If he wanted to really dig him over, could have, could have maybe gotten a hold of some some platinum salts because that shit will make you bleed from your eyes. You're, you get, instantly get locked, John. You just die. Well, he didn't want to kill him. That's you know the thing. He didn't want to kill him. He wanted to to put him in a position of weakness to where he would need him. Uh-huh. Where and then he ended up with these crazy Walker people. And, you know, I just hate that, you know, he had him. Like, he was back in the good graces. They were shaking hands and drinking scotch. And it's just stupid. It was just, you know, they needed to continue the conflict. Yeah, it's just, it's... Tease the audience, make you think you're getting something, and then basically pull the rug out. It's really frustrating. But... Yeah, I know. I was really... I was reveling in his uh, his final destruction, but no, because someone shows him mercy, he gets to live to fight another day or another episode. Right, but not before making a deal with Grace, where she can, if she will get rid of the irradiated walker, she and the baby can stay at uh, the tower, but Morgan has to go. And Grace, who has apparently no longer decided she's suicidal. Right. Uh, Agrees to this deal and over Morgan's objections. And 
she comes inside and Morgan goes off to wonder like Kung Fu. But he doesn't wonder for long because he immediately uh, runs up against uh, uh, Dwight and Sherry and they take them, take him back to uh, where they've been hanging out with uh, Alicia and her team of, of ninjas. <laughs> yes. And they um, immediately pull off their masks as soon as they see each other to try and talk, even though they can clearly talk with the masks on. Um, but, you know, you can't see your actors when you're wearing a mask. So right. that's true. And I really got sick of that fucking close up of their eyes in the mask. Oh, yeah. Well, there's clearly overdubbed audio going on. They're talking into a bucket or something. <laughs> Alicia, I can't. I. I've got to get to the the thing that's over there. It's only 20 minutes. <laughs> right. <laughs> but then some irradiated walkers show up and uh, and and they're about to shoot him and, and Morgan notices what they are just in time to be like, no! Right before they shoot, shoot him and cause big radiation. Now, I am a little curious, out of all the walkers in that parking lot, that giant parking lot, which, by the way, are are villains with the trebuchets, somehow managed to not have the giant herd of walkers surrounding the building really imperil them in any way, shape, or form, which makes no sense whatsoever. But hey, leaving that aside. Yeah, they leave out a tunnel, don't they? They leave out a tunnel. Like Hogan's Heroes. They no, no, <laughs> not I'm not talking about the folks in the tower. I'm talking about the guys outside with the trebuchets. Who yeah. there's there's like hundreds and hundreds of zombies surrounding this building, and none of them apparently are attacking the folks with the trebuchets at all. Even though oh, they're right you weren't supposed to think that. You weren't supposed to think about that. So, but the question is: so we so when the fight happens, the some of the irradiated zombies get out. How those zombies manage to follow all the More. way back to the camp? How convenient! Well, yeah, it's 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 the writers said they did, and there's no no. That's no, <laughs> no, that's not how this works. But what is the you know, like, fuck you, that's why. Exactly. <laughs> how did this happen? Fuck you, that's how. Because yeah, it's big. <laughs> it's a, the writer, the, 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 the script, the hand of the writer reached down and picked those zombies up and dropped them right outside of camp. So, so Thanks, we're all Jesus. Yeah. So that was what happened. And now it's over. Well, they did blow them up, and you know they're running. So, yes, I guess they're not going to two parter. I guess. Well, I guess they're not going to try and outrun a cloud of irradiated zombie zombie dust. dust? Yeah, even though even though it's already exploded onto them. They will now attempt to outrun a cloud of it. So yeah. I'm like, okay, sure. cloud you gotta worry about the red mist. Right. Well, it's convenient that it's a red mist, so you can tell where it's coming from. Yep. And outrun it. So ready for the camera. I've been looking at sepia colors so long. When I saw the red, I was like, wow, it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a thing. It's a thing. I mean, it's 
as much fun as it often is, it's really kind of pointless to try and point out some of the really just that's not how things work stuff from the Walking Dead universe because it hasn't been things that work for a very long time. I mean, season two, Dustin and I going, that's not how distance works. That's not how time works. Why do you keep talking about going to look for the little girl in the woods and you never actually go to look for the little girl in the woods? We'll get around to that. No, no rush. (laughs) So, I mean, there's, these are structural problems that are built into the shows. I mean, it just is, it's fun to, fun to bitch about it, but you know, it's the same, it's the same thing. Yep. Uh, but next episode, that was, 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 I, for as much dialogue as there was, I guess I was just happy. There weren't really many zombies and the ones that did happen were just magnificently fun. Splat, splat and trebuchets and flying zombies. And there's just, there was some fun with this episode and (laughs) Coleman Domingo just, you know, Clearly having a good time playing Strand. Mm-hmm. So that's not bad, right? Yeah, he was yeah. working hard. Everybody seemed to work hard this week. Yep. Yep. But, Pretty happy with it. Got nothing else to say really about it. No. But that's yeah, we got one more episode in this part of this season. Of course, there's a break coming. So will next, we with another next episode. episode. Uh, of of this show is all about what Alicia was up to while everyone else was flopping around in the radiation. And apparently a solution to the mystery of Padre, which may not actually be the actual place. Maybe yeah, something else. Not, I mean, we saw a, a file with Padre initials on it. Yeah. So much revelations. And, and, and I am sure. Action delivery uh resource uh emissaries <laughs> something like that all right well we will find out what all that means on our next episode and if you enjoyed this episode you can let us know you can find us on facebook and twitter podcast.com itunes a bunch of other podcast platforms and you can leave us a rating and a comment those are always helpful yeah, we'd love to hear from you guys. We appreciate you guys listening, and we hope that you will chime in, part of the conversation. We would appreciate it. All right, gentlemen, we'll do this again. Thank you, Dustin. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Curtis. Fuck this fucking show, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we appreciate you guys listening. So we hope that you will join us on our next episode of Zompocalypse Now. Guys. I kind of want to get this show to the point where we could do merch, this t-shirts that say, thank you, Tim on them. <laughs> if we get to a point in our, in our Zompocalypse Now life where we can have merch, I will want the merch to say, thank you, Tim. So that no one else will know what it is. Like people who've never like, what? Thank you, Tim. And pe- the people who get the shirts would be like, oh, it's, it's nothing. It's just a thing. Zompocalypse Now is produced and recorded by Timothy Harvey, Dustin Adair, and Curtis Smith for Just Some Guy Productions. All rights reserved. <laughs>